Are we ready? Here at yeah, the end of all things. Hello, and welcome to the Baba Yaga Project. Hi, I'm Margo. And I'm Sonia. And we're historians interested in making cultural history and folklore accessible. We've made the Baba Yaga Project, which is a podcast, a YouTube channel, and a website to build a community and learn from the past together. We hope you join us for all of season three and subscribe to get notified every time we post. So today is the end of days. Yes. So we're pivoting to a uh, <laughs> eschatological Christianity project. We're a full-time uh, prepper cast now. Yes. Yeah. Welcome to the Bobby of a pep prep cast. We're all getting ready to be raptured. Yeah. We're all getting ready to be on prep because we're going to have a lot of uh, slutty gay sex. <laughs> I will never get past that did you see that TikTok? No. Oh my god, no. So there is a TikTok where this guy is it's like some some dude, I don't know, some dude is like duetting this very very heterosexual man mm-hmm. where he says something about how come whenever I'm on prep uh I like crave something else. And what he means by it is every time he and his wife do meal preps. Right. And this guy who's duetting it is like, straight folks need to find out another way to talk about meal prepping because that is not what I thought this was about. That's not your work. Yeah. Yeah. See, I assumed that this was like a, a restaurant service work job where like he has to, he's a prep cook. Yeah. No, so like this he was gets just. hungry while he's working as a prep cook. I mean, cook. He, he is a prep cook. He's just not getting paid. Yeah. He's prepping, prep cooking at his house. So welcome to our wrap up slash dead queen episode. I'm just going to call it that. I don't care. Yeah. So <laughs> our, our thinking being here, we have a season to end. Yes. This is the end of this. End. Yeah. Is end just a big old ending. Yeah. So we're, we're at the end of season three. We'll be back in a bit. Intermittently this fall and through the winter. And then in the spring, we'll have our, our full season four, which is going to be a little bit different from like what we've been doing. Yeah. We're really excited about it. We'll be getting you more information as we get closer to that, yeah. but there will still be, um, Not that semi-regular Bobby Yaga content between now and then. Yeah, exactly. And we're going to still try and keep up with the Patreon as best we can. And Sonia will be back. Exactly. And for this episode, we have our newest Bobby Yaga member, or Bobby are Mr. we members? Are we comrade. comrade? Our newest Bobby Yaga comrade. I call her comrade. <laughs> Hannah, Hi. do you want to introduce Hi. yourself? I'm Hannah. I'm the new comrade, apparently. <laughs> um, I'm excited. It's good to be part of the project. Do you want to? say a little bit about what you do yeah i'm an early modernist um and importantly for this episode i work on sort of western european and british history uh in the time when we had previous king charles's uh (laughs) which is something we'll be circling around to towards the end of this episode which is why this is my uh great uh baba yaga coming out party uh end of season end of era beginning of new hannah era yeah the plan had been initially to keep hannah in reserve as a fun surprise for some of the the content we're doing over the fall but then uh a queen died and as good uh, well subjects of the crown up here in, in canada we thought it would be a good idea to just kind of cycle back and and um 
technically bring in a British historian. Yeah, yeah bring in a British historian. Right? I feel like this is good timing, though. Like, if be, if someone's going to die, why not put it at the end of the Bobby Yaga season so that our season can wrap up with the end of this second Elizabethan era? <laughs> We're just moving into what are the what are the Charles's? Carolingian. It is Carolingian? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. That's what I thought, but I don't want to. Yeah. No. Okay. Um, yes, there's been a lot of uh, interesting chat on in the, the decrepit Twitter circles in which I run about the Carolingians and the uh, Jacobeans. <laughs> um, and we can talk about that later. Or Do we have a James now? No, there is still a Jacobean pretender. Around. Yeah, nice. Uh, so there was a really great. I saw a really great tweet that had a photo of um, Joe Biden, supposedly on the phone to the Vatican, being like, "Ah, the Protestant pretender is dead. Soon we will reinstate the House of Stuart." <laughs> well, okay, this <laughs> is actually Catholics. quite interesting um, <laughs> because so King Charles, as we have him now, the third one. Um, doesn't have like a super clean line of descent to the Stuart dynasty like he does in the way that all the kind of post Hanoverian royalty does. Mm -hmm. um, but his son, William, who is now the Prince of Wales, um, is actually a direct descendant of King Charles II. Yeah. Uh, through his mother, Diana, who is the direct descendant of not one, but two illegitimate <laughs> sons of King Charles II. So, uh, the Carolingians will give way to the drop of Stuart blood that remains <laughs> the royal family, I guess. If we don't abolish the monarchy between now and then. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, in the and next five minutes while Charles is still alive. Yeah. <laughs> so for this episode, we're going to real quickly wrap up season three. We're going to talk about our, our theme that was existing for season three and, I don't know, self-reflection. Did we do it? So, so the, the theme that you guys had kind of started with, mm -hmm. this is something that you and, and Sonia had started before Hannah and I joined the project, yeah. is the idea of community to commodity, yeah. right? So talking about uh, things that were held in common in more ancient parts of our history that yeah. have now been commodified. Yes. And so this is really clear in things like enclosure of the commons. Yeah. Right, like land that was held in common that people could graze their sheep on in the Middle Ages, and that isn't really a thing anymore. Yeah, right. Yeah, and I think you know, in some ways, we we have done that successfully. Yeah, uh, I... but it's just been kind of a quiet thread. Yeah, through the season, we haven't made it super super explicit. Yeah, I yeah, um, I think also season three more than any other season, kind of. We had, oh, there was a lot of stuff happening to us behind the scenes and like yeah. our ability to get it out. There's just yeah. been a bajillion things happening while we've been trying to make this season. That's, so that's also true. And, and, you know, with, with a less kind of, um, temporally defined theme, yeah. then you could just kind of follow your passions a yeah. little bit more. And just like, I want to talk about sex work. So let's yeah. have a conversation about sex work, you know? And the human body is not something that's ever been held communally. <laughs> and well I was actually gonna well, say actually, that you know, this is a actually... nice this is a nice tie-in to kind of the death of 
the queen is that, you know, death rituals used to be a sort of common, common yeah. process. Um, and now they are commodified to shit. Um, and so there is a kind of thread here again to talk about like, yes, these great, you know, rituals of public mourning and so on have traditionally been a way for communal processing. Mm-hmm. Um, as Marking time and the, mm. the shift of power. Exactly. But um, also the commodification of getting the like commemorative <laughs> Charles and Camilla tea set or whatever. Oh, and God. Um, the fact that there is like a specific uh, casket maker to the queen um, who advertises the they are the casket makers to the queen. It's like, like, yeah, but what, what I find interesting about that is that like in, in some periods of European history, the body of the monarch after death would be literally like people would go around like dipping bits of cloth in their blood and holding onto that as their souvenir. Spoiler alert that happened to Charles the first and we will, we will get there. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Yeah. Right. So like in some ways, well, the because the, the less commodified. Yeah. Well, their their physical form is less commodified, but the idea of the monarchy, I think, is yeah, absolutely more commercialized. More, yeah, it's definitely right? more like, commercialized. But um, I made a dumb joke on Twitter today about how you know Charles is going out among his subjects and accepting their condolences and shaking hands and they're kissing him and all of this business, um, and that's something that royalty has historically done that the you know the touch of a king was believed to heal specifically scrofula mm-hmm. uh, which was also known as the king's evil um and uh so i made a, a little joke about how this is really a great day for people with scrofula um, <laughs> but that there is a kind of like the bo- the body of the monarch is both a communal rallying point and such a great marketing opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the great reasons that people in the United Kingdom say that they might want to keep the queen or monarchists in the United Kingdom rather is that or keep the monarchy, the queen, they've lost her, um, <laughs> but keep the monarchy is because the monarchy is a great tourist attraction. Yeah. Um, so there is a commodification of the bodies of these real people who also wear socks and also eat ketchup and like do all the things that, you and I do. And I, that's uh, do they I eat ketchup? That. And and I I think that our day to day activities are actually very different. But in terms of basic biological processes, yes, I guess they're the same. Yeah, I mean they probably wear nicer socks than. They do, <laughs> but they, they, draw, they are they are carbon based life forms. Mm-hmm. Like Someone else mean. probably puts the socks on for them. You know. Everybody poops except for the queen. Yes. Well, yeah. she's. Well, she does. Yeah, she's the dead, queen does so. not poop does anymore. <laughs> We're gonna get canceled. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, I think that the that's an interesting like comparison, right? Of this idea of what is commodification, right? Because when you're talking about Charles the second, right, body being sort of held in common, like, or the idea of the mo- the body of the monarchy is the like property is the state incarnate, so it is like technically the property of the people. 
there's the great frontispiece of Thomas Hobbes's oh, Leviathan. Yeah, this is one of my yeah. favorite illustrations where the frontispiece is a giant man coming over a hill, like standing over a hill, mm-hmm. surveying the the topography. Uh, and this is a king who is wearing a crown and clutches a sword in one hand and a scepter in the other. And if you look at the king's body, the king is actually made up of all little, little people tiny people because ultimately it is people agreeing to mm-hmm. having a monarch that makes a monarch powerful mm-hmm. um or you know people constituting a leviathan that makes a leviathan a possibility for hobbes mm-hmm. uh hey that's <laughs> a little political theory detour uh but it's a fabulous <laughs> frontispiece and yeah. uh we should and, put and, and hobbes is the defining philosopher of living a brave british monarchy right is like this negative view of human nature that we have a social contract that we need some sort of violent autocrat to uh guarantee right we have to give up our right to murder each other (laughs) to somebody else like the state has to have the power of life and death because otherwise we're going to use it against each other right right that's not a particularly optimistic view of humanity but uh it is kind of the the philosophical cornerstone of the British monarchical tradition. Yeah, at least uh, in some in some interpretations, right? There's sure. the other sort of constitutional monarchy where the monarch is really a figurehead that is there to sort of be a rubber seal on the laws that the laws are made by the people. Uh, but the monarch's job is to be just kind of the final check on the people's power to make sure that. Uh, the people don't go wildly astray um, in practice that has really only happened in recent years when it's come to the tax code where you journalists investigative journalists have found that the royal family has uh, pressured parliament to make tax laws that allow them to keep a lot more of their wealth than uh, they would have political. otherwise <laughs> um, but they haven't really said this is you know no this is a bad and cruel law and we will not sign off on it Mm -hmm. so i think before just before we get into uh, talking about like the rituals of endings and the rituals of charles's um i think can we have just a like a short moment where we talk about the concept of the monarchy and the commonwealth because i as a sort of quasi voyeur participant in canada (laughs) i'm I'm, this is obviously something that is being talked about a lot all over the world and all of the places where the queen was the head of state and now it is charles or now they've reverted to a republic as some of the like island nations in the caribbean might have not on the death of the monarchy Right, so there is no sort of trigger law in place in any of these uh, Commonwealth countries, in any of the Commonwealth countries, that when Elizabeth died, they would become republics. There, there's been one or two recently. No, Barbados just became a republic a year ago this year. Yeah, and Jamaica after that is talking about doing it and is asking for reparations. Yeah, 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 which you know makes good sense. But like that, this is now a moment where it like is a like politically viable or something to be thinking about and talking about for for a lot of these yeah. places where they're like, should we 
let's reevaluate this situation that and we're all in. There's been speculation across the Commonwealth that when Elizabeth dies, that would be the moment that people yeah. want to get rid of stuff. That doesn't seem to be, at least in the past couple of days, doesn't seem to be coming to pass. People mm-hmm. seem to, I mean, Charles is not exactly a popular figure. He's he's kind of a piece of shit, right? Um, and he's a piece of shit in ways that sometimes I agree with, right? Like, he's kind of an environmentalist. But the fact that he is willing to, and he has actually been willing to call MPs and say, no, 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 you should intervene in this sort of environmental way mm-hmm. you know he's a, a top-down tory kind of noblesse or leger i'm gonna make my own little green and pleasant land in the english countryside environmentalist but he has been willing to um assert himself politically in ways that his mother never did mm-hmm. he's very good at not doing mm-hmm. uh you know it's that that's going to be part of the complicating complications of of him as a king is that if he continues to do that, that is the degradation of our entire constitutional structure, right. and that is actually I think that would I think would would result in people getting rid of monarchy quicker, right? If if he is starting to put pressure on democratically elect democratically elected. Uh, representatives that's going to become a really really big issue really really fast if he can keep his fucking mouth shut and just look stupid and sit on his big fancy chair then he becomes like his mother kind of innocuous and it's less of an issue for people the other thing is i think um just looking at the Canadian media landscape, because mm-hmm. um, that's the Commonwealth country that I live in. Mm-hmm. People were a little bit shocked when she died. Um, yeah. We knew it was coming because she was in her mid to late 90s. Yeah. Um, but people sort of, I think, expected it to be more spectacular, like, you know, some sort of more drawn out process, yeah. some kind of announcement that, you know, the Queen's health is failing or a leak or something, some, yeah. you know, a dramatic fall. But instead, you know, there, there was the photo the of her. The queen is leaking. The queen is leaking, good lord. Um, <laughs> oh, um, God. No, instead it was this photo opportunity with Liz Truss. Mm-hmm. She looked okay, actually. She looks like a woman in her 90s. Yeah, yeah but yeah. I mean, she, she doesn't look terribly frail and ill. Um, and so yeah, I mean, you could definitely tell that she was definitely still alive. Yes. Which I think was the big thing with Philip at the end of his life, <laughs> well, where it was like, perhaps, perhaps he was not still alive. With Philip, there was a strong sense that certainly his life was coming to an end. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there wasn't in this case. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of, yeah, there was the photo. There were a couple days of nothing and then we heard she's under medical supervision and then she died yeah Um, i feel like it's one of those things where you know intellectually that she's was 96 but like just in your life when you think about it it's like she is eternal well and i think this is something that you know people who don't live in a commonwealth country might find difficult to wrap their head around even if you're from the states where yeah the, the royal families in the media all the time, mm-hmm. is that, you know, if you do live in the monarchy, she's kind of ubiquitous. Yeah. Right? Like, you you have this in the back of your mind. Even if you 
don't like the institution, which about, you know, 50% of Canadians are strongly opposed to the monarchy. Um, what? A little louder. So, you know, even if you're opposed to the monarchy, um, it's kind of always in the back of your head that this is how your country is governed, yeah. right? Like this is part of the makeup of your political system. And to have that suddenly shift, yeah, right? It feels like this... It's on every like coin, all the court cases, right? Yeah. It's not. Yeah. We have in the states, you know, it's the the government of the United States yeah. versus whoever, or yeah. you know, yeah, and instead of the crown, yeah. yeah, yeah, and here it's yeah, you have a crown prosecutor, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So she she feels ubiquitous and kind of eternal in that way. And also there was something about her where if you, I mean, she was in her late nineties, the vast majority of people in this country. And I would argue the vast majority of people everywhere have never lived in a world where she's not queen. Yeah. Um, You would have to be older than 96 to, you know, you would have to be (coughs) older than a hundred to remember clearly a time when she was not queen. And that is very, very That's not true. Right. Because she wasn't queen since birth. That's true. Right. Like she was queen since her mid twenties. She's been queen so for, for 70, seventy years. So Yeah. Still, that's still the vast majority of yeah. people who have never lived in a world where she wasn't queen and where she wasn't alive. Absolutely. Yeah. Um Yeah, because I mean like even my grandparents who were just turning ten. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Not even. Yeah, when she was crowned. Crowned, yeah. Yeah. And so uh, in that sense, there was a long sort of continuity sense where most of our parents grew up during her reign. We grew up during her reign. Uh, she was on all the money. She was on the stamps. Yeah. Um, and now she's just gone from one moment to the next. And I think in terms of countries leaving the Commonwealth, choosing to become republics, if it's going to happen, I think people need to get over the surprise and shock yeah. that she's really gone. Like, like I, I don't know what it like feels like to have your country go from being a monarchy to not being a monarchy, but having your monarch die after seventy years, I think, kind of feels similar, right? Like suddenly you have, even if the political system itself is not actually changing, yeah, something about the way that you think about your political identity or the political identity of your of your nation has shifted. Yeah. Right? Especially, I think that regardless of a lot of feelings about colonialism and whatnot, I don't think there were a lot of people who were like, this old lady in particular is, she personally is the worst. Yes, I've heard from a lot of friends things like, well, she reminds but, me of my grandmother. But Charles, Charles is, is like universally yeah, reviled. Yeah. Charles doesn't like anybody of their grandmother. Yeah. Yeah. Queen does. And there was a way in which she marketed herself as somebody who yeah. ended up in this stupid job by accident. Yeah. Um, didn't especially want it, but no. was doing it out of a profound sense of duty. But didn't especially not want it either, right? Like, she she walked that line. But still, this constant refrain of, I'm doing this out of a sense of duty. This is my duty. This is my duty. That That's not something duty. that I think, ha, that a lot of our, our, our grandmothers and maybe our mothers yeah. did too. You know, you do jobs not because 
you enjoy them, but because someone has to do this job and mm-hmm. it has devolved onto you. Not to say her job was so terribly difficult, um, or her life was so terribly difficult as a result of her job, but there is something there that I think captured people's imaginations, um, yeah. because she did really look like this kindly old lady, uh, and certainly reminded a lot of white people I know of, of their grandmothers. Yeah. yeah. You know, I, I think a lot of the messaging that we've seen in the past three days about about her death has either been so dramatically, I am weeping and rending my hair, <laughs> this is the worst thing that's ever happened, or just sort of like, I dance on your grave, you're a colonizer. Yeah. And I think Ireland. That, yeah, Ireland. And <laughs> people Ireland. from South Asia, and people yeah. from the Caribbean, and people from Africa, and like a lot of indigenous people in North America. And I absolutely get that. I think that, you know, the people who are pretending that this was their personal best friend and that they had a special relationship with this woman that they've never met, you know, like yeah. that is ridiculous. Yeah. And I you know the, the the monarch's job is to be a symbol and the a symbol of a political system that is often really violent yes. and like cruel and uh, has made the world a worse place in many many ways. What the fuck are you guys doing? Do they have the zooms? Stop it! You they're fighting each other. Girls, calm the fuck down. They speak English? Yeah. Ladies, stop it. Stop. Are they back in the house? Yeah, they're in the house. They were fighting in the house. That's why it was made for the Ian wants to referee. But yeah, no, they, they speak English. Like... <laughs> I mean, as much as an animal speaks a language. All of the fire. It was suggested by um, Sonia's vet as a way to get the cats to stop scratching the furniture and instead scratch stuff that they're supposed to scratch. So, like, when you start scratching, you just shake it really loud. Oh, it's a rattle. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, I just... That was... They don't do they've never, they don't do yeah, that normally. <laughs> Sorry, do you want to just start at the beginning of what you're? So, I feel like a lot of the the media messaging, especially on social media that we've been seeing recently, has either been people, you know, weeping and wringing their hair and tearing at their clothing and pretending that they've lost their best friend, like they have this very very special personal emotional relationship with a woman they've never met. Alternately, it's a lot of people who are celebrating, right? Yeah. But the the monarch is a symbol of a political system that has often been really, really violent, mm-hmm. and uh, in a lot of ways has made the world a worse place. And I I, I sympathize with that a lot, right? Like yeah. I think that's that's absolutely true. And it's a weird, anti-democratic, outdated institution. And 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 like I like, uh-huh. I get that. Yeah. Um. But it feels like an oversimplification in some ways. Okay. And uh, I also know that there are 
you know, some indigenous people in North America who put a lot of stock in the monarchy because the treaty relationships are between mm-hmm. not the uh, coming and going elected representatives in Canada, but with the Canadian crown, right? Okay. Between the nation and the crown. And having sort of a steady, consistent presence, even if those relationships have, if the treaties haven't been honored and the relationships yeah. haven't been healthy, having a, a steady, consistent presence is something that some Indigenous people like. Mm-hmm. Not everybody, obviously. And, you know, I don't want to talk down to anybody, but it feels like that is also an oversimplified view of what the monarchy represents as well. But... I don't want to, as some white guy, unilaterally just say, okay, like, the the relationship would be the same if we had a president, or the relationship if, if we elected our governor right. general, or if we uh, removed a distinct head of state altogether and just rolled everything into the prime minister's office. Um, I think that... There's no, like, revolutionary argument for the monarchy. Like, that just doesn't exist. But I I, I do want to honor the people who are, I don't know, feeling some sort of emotion with this transition. I'm going to pitch my idea that I pitched to Sonia the other day. Do it. For what I think should be the solution to a vastly unpopular Charles, mm-hmm. right? Because you can't just get rid of Charles and then keep... A monarchy, because what's the point of a hereditary monarchy if we're just going to oust the ones that we don't like to put in someone that we do like? So my solution is Mm -hmm. get rid of the royal family. Mm -hmm. And instead, we take the oldest of the corgis and we (laughs) assign the oldest corgi to be the eternal empress of over the Commonwealth, right? I I would be fine with this. And so then... Right. When that corgi dies, we have a massive big funeral. But then there are corgis that come to sort of like, like represent cardinals. Yeah. Like, like, corgi yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, so they're like, well, the, the, the corgi, there is like a, a new corgi that's brought forth to represent on earth the eternal empress of yeah. the British yeah, Empire, yeah, yeah. who is said last. Well, the corgi, yeah. like the first corgi, because she's 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 she would be an inter- eternal corgi. Yeah, I have no idea the sex and or gender of the corgis that are currently alive in the Queen's corgi community. No, the- <laughs> <laughs> but like I think that's my literally kills and <laughs> right. I, I that's awful. I but like <laughs> a graveyard of them. Right? She, she yeah, a corgi graveyard um, started by Queen Victoria, which means that Queen Victoria's dog Lutie is mm-hmm. in that graveyard, and Lutie was a Pekingese lap dog who was looted uh, from China, and that's where the name came from. Uh, and that's my favorite royal dog fact. Sorry, corgis, it's the Pekingese lap dog for me. Well, uh, that could be the eternal empress. I'm not fussy. I just feel like that's like, you know, that seems like a relatively 
British Isles, like people would accept that cultural Mm -hmm. continuity. And then, then on all the money, instead of either having to put Charles's face or, you know, you get rid of the monarchy altogether and then you just have to put some random, like, governor general or prime minister's face or whatever on it you don't have to do that it's just that one corgi for all of time well this this actually brings us to a really (laughs) concrete question for the canadian context which is what happens now because like i said the queen was on all of our money yeah uh on our postage stamps many of them yeah uh and and there is a real question of what is going to happen now with all of our coins some of our paper money uh, all the other things that the queen has ended up on in the last 70 years. Um, and yeah, I know, Sam, you have looked into that a little bit. Well, it's actually, it's not that complicated of an answer, right? Is that the, the coin and the stamps that have her picture on them still count, right? We don't get rid of those. It's just when we have to print new ones... They have what's his face's face on them instead, right? Charles. Charles. No, I, I know what his name is, but whatever. Um, is he anti-Charles squadron? I like. Listen, I'm. I'm. I, I do legitimately worry that he's going to be too political. Like, I, I think not so much that he's personally a jerk, although apparently he is. It's yeah. that like <laughs> our democratic system only works if the monarchy has these powers sort of vested in them, but doesn't use them. Yeah. Right. Like currently the monarch has to sign all laws into effect. And the, mm-hmm. the president does in the U S the monarch decides when parliament sits and when there are elections. Yeah. That's not a decision that. Politics well, I don't think it's, I don't think it's quite the same as the president in the U S it's more like no, in because of- France where you have a separate head of state and they're all elected. Yeah, yeah. So, so in the U.S., right? Like the the head of state, state and the government rules are the same, right? Yeah, yeah. Which and creates I, its own complications. Yeah. No, exactly. But we have similar complications in Canada, right? Because the deal is that the prime minister, who is the head of government officially, not the head of state, makes all the decisions for the head of state. Mm-hmm. Right. Our executive branch rolls everything down into the, the head of government, and it makes the prime minister very, very influential yeah very, very powerful they uh nominate uh pretty much unilaterally the queen's representative candidate mm-hmm. the governor general they get to appoint uh all the senators for upper house who then yeah. rule for basically life uh, or sit in the senate until like they're 75 or something there's a retirement age uh so they there, there aren't like a new crop of senators every time there's a new prime minister but uh, the prime minister gets to appoint those people. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not directly elected. Yeah. Um, we have a, a very powerful prime minister's office. Mm-hmm. And that's a uh, artifact of our monarchical Westminster system. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the U.S. balance of power system means that Mitch McConnell in the Senate can just shut down pretty much all government activity if he wants to. Right. But it means that there are advantages to spreading out the political authority. Yeah. There which... have, yeah. There have been cases in Canada where the prime minister knew that a bad vote was coming uh, or an investigation was looming yeah. and just decided to 
prorogue parliament and send everybody on vacation instead of facing the music. Yeah. And that's a power that the prime minister has because the Queen's representative in Canada or the King's representative in Canada, which is our governor general, theoretically could, but in practice would never intervene and say, no, no, you can't prorogue parliament. You have to go and face this investigation into your conduct. Exactly. So there was a case in 2010 or 2011 when Canadian soldiers in Afghanistan were implicated in torture where there have been some media reports that Canadians were handing over prisoners to be tortured by the Afghan army. And that's a serious issue. And our prime minister at the time, Stephen Harper, went to the government general at the time, who was Miguel Jean, and asked for the governor general, the queen's representative, to send prorogue parliament, to send parliament on holiday. And she hesitated for about 12 or 16 hours Mm -hmm. because technically, legally, she has the authority to say, no, you have to face this opposition questioning over fucking war crimes. Like, that's a legitimate thing. But then, you know, she got the legal advice or made the decision that actually the convention that the, the, the monarch representative, the governor general, the monarchy does intervene, the democratic elected uh, government has to be able to abuse its authority like this, right? And and that's that's a really complicated, sort of from a historical perspective, that's a complicated thing. That's right. a, um, from a ritual perspective, that's a complicated thing. Yeah. These, well, so, ritual conventions. yeah. But if you had also an elected head of state that was not your head of government, mm-hmm. that is one way to mitigate that problem a- a- absolutely except if you maintained the conventions that we already have right? well yeah like, but i think if you have like if that by changing that from an appointed or hereditary title that i agree yeah have, i know I, you I can change agree. those conventions absolutely, to agree, be like right yeah no if i the, am responsible to the people if the head of state else. has a democratic mandate then they are more likely to to act yeah, yeah absolutely but I think that those practical criticisms of our constitutional order matter more than, well, the monarch is the symbol of the colonial system. Yeah. Right? Like, I, I think that there are more and less legitimate criticisms than just this figurehead represents a system that is abusive. No, yeah. this figurehead actually obstructs the democratic function of our government. That's, I think, like a bigger issue. Yeah. Yes, I think that's an interesting, and and yeah, an interesting critique. And it's kind of an it's what I saw a headline I saw on my way over while I was mm-hmm. scrolling Twitter on the metro uh, is that Charles has already bestowed the Koinor diamond on Camilla, which is a looted artifact, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, and the people who own that artifact have asked for it back. And the official government response has been, la, 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 I can't hear you over my big shiny diamond. Um, And that would have been a hell of a symbol to kick off your reign and say, I'm giving you back this thing that my ancestors stole from you. But instead, one of the, we're still, we're two days out. One of the first acts has been, I am taking this shiny looted diamond and I am giving it to my wife. But so this is, this is the, 
the tricky part about like who the, everyone also hates. Yeah, who everyone also kind of hates, right? Um, <laughs> this is one of the tricky parts about the idea of an apolitical monarchy is because, of course, we know that no action is entirely yeah, right? We live in a fucking society, but changing the status quo <laughs> that feels like a bigger political statement than mm-hmm. just repeating what already exists Mm -hmm. um so that's the reason why the queen never rescinded the doctrine of discovery it's not an active part of Mm -hmm. commonwealth law anymore but a making the statement that okay i reject this now that's a political decision Mm -hmm. and technically should be made by the elected representatives who haven't made it in the same way. I understand why that would be meaningful if the monarch came out and did it, but making the political decision to continue with mm-hmm. the status quo uh, feels less political than coming out and saying anything. Yeah. Yes, and I feel like there are ways to get around that, though. Like, they, he... Like, they could be like, okay, all of this, we're going to acknowledge our colonial history. I am not personally going to engage with these items until the British people decide what we're going to do with them. And instead, just continuing to be like, my wife will be HRH and will get to have all the fancy stuff that I wanted to give her and instead had to give to Diana. Like, instead of having that little hissy fit... Like, just being like, hey, a bunch of our stuff shouldn't be here, or, like, we have moved on as a nation. Maybe the nation should deal with this. But I think also when we talk about how, you know, is, is this political, what, what is political action versus political inaction, mm-hmm. um, there's this thing that I've been hearing a lot in British media about, like, um, you shouldn't critique the Queen's colonial... Uh, possessions, you shouldn't critique her position within this uh, tradition, within this monarchy, uh, because she's somebody's grandma and she's just died. And uh, she, you know, this no, is not the time for politics. This, her family is in mourning. Oh, uh, yeah, okay. Um, Thoughts and prayers. And that is political too, to, yeah. to deliberately frame her as a kindly grandmother is just as much a work of of politicking and PR management as framing her yeah. as a direct descendant of the Empress of India. Yeah. It I mean it's it's so weird because I don't actually like this institution. I think <laughs> like, like I just said, I think there's good political reasons to try and get rid of it. I don't think it's gonna happen anytime soon. I think no. it's very difficult within Canada's constitutional structure to get rid of it. And I think it's just so ingrained in the UK that they're not gonna do it over there either. It might happen in Australia, it's probably gonna happen in Jamaica. Like there's a couple mm. places where I think it, it it's more likely. Um but I think like there are explanations for the decision-making that they're doing. And it's not just that these people are idiots. No, right? I, like, I like, and I don't, I don't think that I just think that they're not good people. No, 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 no. <laughs> right. No, I agree. Like, like, yeah, there are explanations. And most of the explanations are that they're rich assholes who want to continue to be rich assholes. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> 
Can I pivot for just a second? Of course. A question has occurred to me, which is that, uh, Devin, you are currently not a Canadian, but if you were to become a Canadian, you would now, assuming you do so before Charles dies, mm-hmm. or we become a republic, whichever mm-hmm. happens first, mm-hmm. you would be obliged to swear an oath of I loyalty. I am not obliged to swear an you oath no to longer. anything. <gasps> no, uh, so this has to do with... Um, the technicalities around freedom of religion. I am a Quaker. We do not swear oaths. And so I do not have to swear an oath. I can make a statement of allegiance to the government of Canada, um, but I do not have to swear an oath or acknowledge a monarchy. That's really interesting because one of the wrinkles on... I looked into it because I was like, I want to be a Canadian citizen. Like This is the end goal of my PR, but I I cannot, like, in good faith, acknowledge a hierarchical, a hereditary hierarchical structure like that. Yeah. And so, like, what do you do? What have Quakers in the past done? And yeah, it's just that, like, you can reform things in the same way that you don't have to, like, pledge on a Bible or anything like that. Yeah. Yes. And it's interesting. I've been a Canadian citizen since birth. Yeah. And nobody has ever asked me where my loyalty lies. Yeah. Well, I mean, neither Jean-Philippe either, right? Yeah, Who is... He is super duper not a monarchist. Yeah. Um, Aggressive French-Canadian nationalist feelings yeah. but happening also, in the back of this house right now. <laughs> one, one of the sort of news story wrinkles on this side of the Atlantic was that uh, the Queen died in the evening in the UK, but it was mm-hmm. mid-afternoon yeah. uh, in our time zone in, in, in Montreal. And uh, there was a citizenship ceremony ongoing. Mm-hmm. I'm not exactly sure where, but I think it was in our same time zone. It was over Zoom. It was online. It was an yeah. online one. Yeah. Okay. And so they had to stop in the middle of the ceremony and figure out what was going on and what they were going to do for the oath because they no longer had a queen to swear loyalty to. Um, and this is where I've come across my favorite phrase of this entire immediate success yes um because what they found is that in the event of the death of a monarch the monarch's heir becomes monarch instantly it's an instantaneous transfer Mm -hmm. effectively an instantaneous transfer of god's will question mark (laughs) from one human being to their successor and the phrase used in the news article i read was upon the death of the queen Charles succeeds instantly or immediately. <laughs> Charles succeeds immediately. I've done it, mummy. Immediate success. <laughs> um, and so that's, that's been my favorite uh, part of this entire news story because, yeah, succeeds immediately. Has a lot of fist pumping vibes, which are not funeral decorum, I, I have heard. Um, One of the stories that you know, I, I find it so interesting how uh, flexible these institutions can be if they really want to be. Yeah. Right? Which is kind of bullshit, right? But <laughs> one of the stories that uh, that I was reading about this week was in Belgium, which has a monarchy, who knew? Uh, uh, in the, the Democratic 19- Republic of Congo definitely yeah. did. Yes. yes. Well, yes, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, before it was democratic or a republic. Um, and uh, 
in the 1990s, they were trying to pass some pro-choice legislation, mm-hmm. which their Catholic monarch didn't like. Mm-hmm. So he abdicated for an afternoon. His son signed the legislation, and then he became king again. <laughs> right? <laughs> which is insane. Is the <laughs> monarchy also the one where the current crown princess is like, leave me alone. I'm 17. I just want to be on TikTok and hang out with my friends. I'll check back in in the event that I become queen of this place. I think that's the Netherlands. Oh, yeah. Netherlands. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. S- sorry, Benelux countries. <laughs> um, but, oh, interesting wrinkle around Belgium is that it was King Leopold I mm. who was married to Princess Charlotte, whose death led to the coronation of Queen Victoria. She was right. the heir. Uh, she was George IV's only child. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then when she died in childbirth, because <clears throat> they weren't even physicians, but they were men who were in charge of her labor, uh, didn't let her eat or exercise at all. Uh, and so she died really horrifically of a fever. Anyway, Queen Victoria became the heir at that point. Uh, she was not queen yet. And she was also not Victoria yet. But in any event... They wouldn't let her eat? No, they, they wouldn't. They were afraid that the child was going to be too big, uh, which in the end, the child was very, very large. And he was born still. Um, but in the final weeks of her pregnancy, they kept her on an extremely restrictive diet and basically just made her like lie in bed and wait for it to start. Um, They also wouldn't send for physicians. Her final dying words were her calling for her personal physician. Uh, And like, it it, it was really horrible Wikipedia reading. Um, It's really fucked up. It's extremely fucked up. Uh, Poor Princess Charlotte. And that's why. Okay. Can we can we just cycle back to the other Charleses? Because, yeah, so we this have is, Char- I we want have, to we have Charles three. I want to finish out our thing with a Charles is in charge. Yeah, Charles. Thanks is for being such a good producer. Now. Not 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 Charles is in the the More Charles is the the plurals of Charles Charles is in charge. So, <laughs> a news story you might have seen recently is a lightly surprised headline saying Charles is going to be King Charles the Third, um, and uh, sort of I assume <laughs> that a lot of people look at that headline and go, "Of course he is. He was Prince of Wales for seventy years. <laughs> no shit, he's going to be king now." Um, when what this title is actually referring to, this headline is actually referring to, is Charles's regnal name. Yeah. Uh, it's common in monarchical circles uh, <laughs> for royalty to take on a different name when they ascend to the throne. One example that I just alluded to is Queen Victoria, whose mm-hmm. birth name was Alexandrina. Yeah. Uh, and was known as Drina her whole life. Uh, but she chose to go by Victoria because she thought Alexandrina was too foreign. Um, and she didn't like it as a name very right. much. Um, Victoria was also considered weird and foreign. And now it's considered the most Britishy thing. Ever. <laughs> um, so the times have moved on. Uh, the Queen's father took the name George, mm-hmm. even though his name was Albert and everybody called him Albert. Yeah. And so or there Birdie. was a Birdie, exactly, from the King's speech. And there was a lot of speculation that Charles would also take the name George. His full name is Charles Philip Arthur George. So he had four options, Charles, Philip, Arthur, and George. And it was assumed that he was not going to be King Arthur. 
and given his fraught relationship. Can you, can you, can you imagine? I just want to, let's just take a moment, a moment to imagine Charles and Camilla as the new court of King Arthur. Arthur and Camilla. So Arthur and what? Camilla. But what number Kill would he? Kill me. Second. I have no be idea. Arthur the second? Because nobody accepts that King Arthur was actually a real person yeah. anymore. And and that's another reason why Arthur was kind of considered out of the running. It's a family name. Like his, yeah. his grandfather also had the name Arthur as one of his many names. Um, and it hangs around in that family tree a lot. But so Arthur was off the table. <laughs> but also what I found complicated here is that he's going to be Charles III in Canada. Right, yes, because we will we, get there. Canada has never had the the monarchy of Canada is legally distinct from the monarchy of Great Britain. Right, there but, are two crowns, same person. So we're going to get there. We're going to get. Okay, <laughs> so, okay, going back to the original name, Arthur is out. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Philip, given his fraught relationship with his father, probably not going to happen. Probably right. not going to be King Philip. Right. Uh. And so George was considered the obvious choice that, of course, he's going to call himself King George because Charles was ruled out because it's a bad luck name for monarchs in England and Britain. Although England and Scotland to begin with. Yeah. Um, because uh, like Sam just said, Charles is Charles III. There have been two prior Charleses. Uh, the first Charles was Charles of... England and Scotland. He was mm-hmm. a Stuart King, so both yep. King of Scotland and England. When they, those were two distinct, distinct countries ruled by the same person by coincidence, right. um, because Queen Elizabeth didn't make any heirs. Yeah. Um, and Charles the First had, uh, well, he was beheaded by his subjects, so that didn't go well from the perspective of monarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, he he also managed to infuriate everybody at every turn. Uh, from was this when they were also still claiming to be the royal family of France? Uh, yeah, he was very close to France. He was okay. intermarrying his kids with them. There was a lot of backsy forces with the French. My understanding of European and British history is not as solid as it probably <laughs> should be. King but Arthur, once we <laughs> hundred years war, <laughs> yeah, Princess Diana. stuff no, I, happened. I think he was still claiming the the uh, it's kingdom the, of France. Yeah, because I think it's I think it's the 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 Hanoverians who get rid of that. Yeah, because I mean, like possibly. France also like the actual kings of France are claiming to be the kings of France, but England for a while is like yes, but that is ours, and. So but he's also very close to friends. He's also a little bit um, very high churchy. Mm-hmm. He himself is not Catholic, is the assumption. Like, okay. he's not thought of that way. However, the thing he does to enrage religious people is he imposes the Book of Common Prayer on Scotland. Oh, yeah. And it leads to riots, especially riots led by women where they start throwing, they weren't sitting in pews, they would sit on stools. Mm -hmm. So they would stand up and hurl their stools at the priest um, because they were so furious about the Book of Common Prayer uh, being imposed, which feels like a really esoteric fight now. But at the time, it was was a matter of salvation. It was the greatest possible stakes. Um, Also a direct contributor to the English Civil War. Mm -hmm. Uh, 
or the English Revolution, or the civil wars of the Three Kingdoms. Historians love to fight about what to call this series of events that span roughly a decade and end finally in the execution of Charles I and the beginning of the Interregnum, which is mm-hmm. a 10-year period in which there is no king. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> we can talk about the Interregnum another day. Sure. Uh, Charles I is succeeded by his son, Charles II, who flees during the English Civil Wars. He fights at the Battle of Gloucester. He loses yeah. quite badly, and then he flees. Mm-hmm. Um, he returns in the sixteen in 1660, and one of the interesting things he does is he signs uh, an act of oblivion and indemnity, mm-hmm. which is to effectively, officially forget... I mean, he punishes the people who were directly involved mm-hmm. in his father's death. He exhumes the corpse of Oliver Cromwell and executes it. Um, so that's interesting. Um, but he he basically officially forgets that a lot of his subjects were involved in the civil war that ousted his father. Right. Um, his reign... Frankly, I don't understand why it's considered so terribly unlucky, well, there is a plague, the plague of 1665, right? There's the terrible plague. There's the Great Fire of London, which yeah. is also incredibly destructive, but incidentally probably helps with the plague a little bit. <laughs> um, so, eh, um, people who like Charles II point to things like the establishment of the Royal Society, the rebuilding of London after mm-hmm. the fire, um, things like this. Uh, people who don't like Charles point to things like the fact that he had literally 12 illegitimate children and not a single legitimate heir. Um, They point to the fire, they point to the plague, and they point very dramatically to the fact that he accepted Catholicism on his deathbed. This is a really controversial episode because it's not clear that he chose to do so. That might have been pushed on him by one of his advisors while he lay dying. Uh, But in any event, Charles II does not leave an heir and from him, the throne passes to his brother, James. Right. James dual numbers because he's the second of yeah. England and the seventh of Scotland. Yeah. Um, and he uh, is not super crypto Catholic. He's much more openly Catholic. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's considered more or less okay until James has a son, a male heir. At which point, Parliament invites James's daughter and son-in-law slash nephew uh, to invade and become king and queen, and that's William and Mary. They don't of have college fame. Yes, yeah, the College of William and Mary fame, the, to, and it's glorious. Yes, yeah. glorious revolution. <laughs> like that um, it's a glorious revolution. Yeah, <laughs> they don't produce an heir either, and the crown goes to William and Mary's sister cousin queen anne who also does not produce an heir despite being pregnant something like 17 times uh and that and the crown devolves to the hanoverians because yeah. we are out of stewards so people who don't like charles ii point to the fact that because he does not have a legitimate heir he dooms the Stuart line right and so that's very bad luck uh yeah so people assume that Charles III would not want to be Charles III, considering that his predecessors had. So he'll also dual. have dual numbers, though, right? Okay, this is the thing. Does he, or do we just I, pretend I that they've... Think we're just going to pretend that... No, that's what we're doing. That's and exactly... it doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Because, like, 
Either but we are Queen Elizabeth II was not. Queen Elizabeth II and not Queen Elizabeth yeah, II no. and first of Canada. That's true. Yeah. So we just, I think we just are getting rid of the whole dual numbers convention and future historians will thank us. <laughs> um, I can tell you as somebody who works on a period where I've got a couple dual numbers. <laughs> yeah, but saying James II and seventh is so good. The second and seventh. Isn't that beautiful? James the first and sixth. James the first and sixth. I can pronounce the word sixth. Uh, mm. So yeah, no, this is a, a thing where, where uh, we've just decided in Canada to do our own act of oblivion. <laughs> that we were ever not part of Britain. Also, that Britain itself is a concept that only, like in terms of places called Great Britain. Yeah. Charles is the first king of that. Yeah. Of a united kingdom. Yeah. Um, because the act of union happens in the 18th century, at which point Charles II has been dead yeah. for some years. Hmm. Um, and Charles I, of course, also. Yes, the act of union was 1707. <laughs> thanks, thanks for fact-checking me. <laughs> I appreciate your trust in me. <laughs> the mic doesn't pick up my little high. All right, thumbs up. Um, but yes, so th- those are the, the two previous Charleses. Uh, this Charles seems to think that the bad luck reputation is not as much of a problem. Because uh, things have always gone so smoothly for him. Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> at least two Commonwealth na- nations have said that this is their window to get out of the Commonwealth. You'd think he would pick a luckier name, but no, this is what he's going with. That's fine. I'm excited. Um, Given the stakes, I mean, again, I don't think Charles II had all that bad a run. He reigned for 25 years. He had a lot of fun. I'm not, like, his dad was beheaded. the bar is on the floor. <laughs> so I think if, if Charles III can avoid being beheaded by his own subject, which I suspect he will, um, well, I think so he's already beaten the worst People really don't like him, and we're going to head into a, a, a winter with a energy and cost of living crisis. And in there's the going, yeah, in the UK. Well, to a certain extent in Canada, but much worse in the UK. Well, yeah, so this is specifically about like British subjects. Yeah. And this but, is like, where we can go full circle on the communion or community to uh, consumerism. Yeah, commodity, commodity whatever. Discussion <laughs> talking about how. Because, I mean, there is like the, the, the funerals for. Elizabeth and reentering Philip, and then a coronation is going to be astronomically expensive in a time when, like, a significant portion of Britain's not going to be able to heat their homes. That's absolutely true. There is a counter argument that that I'm not super sympathetic to, but saying that having everybody rally around their beloved dead queen is going to be a spot place for community building. There's another argument, again, very much leaning on the old blitz spirit um, that says that something like a a coronation can be just an opportunity to finally have a day of fun after the really hard times. 
Uh, currently, there's no timeline, I think, for Charles's yeah. coronation. There's not been. Really- I think the big difference between Charles's coronation and Elizabeth's coronation after the war is that she was like a young. cute young girl yeah. that whose father had just like led everyone through the war and like all of this shit and Charles is just the decency to die relatively and Charles is just (laughs) absolutely awful and then people and we've all had 70 years to figure that out already yeah yeah he's just he's just and I so I don't see I don't see people watching this as like a televised event and thinking I'm so glad that I'm paying for the power to ch- power this television right now yeah. for this pompous asshole to like get a fancy hat. The Queen also, <laughs> with her coronation, it was the first major television event in British history, so mm-hmm. it's important on that level. Um, but also, she used it as a way to not make herself one of the people but mm-hmm. for instance uh, it was widely publicized that the menu for the celebratory lunch mm-hmm. uh, was compliant with rationing regulation yeah um and the menu itself was widely publicized and so like dishes like coronation chicken became part of the british vernacular mm-hmm. um because they were made from accessible ingredients mm-hmm that people could actually get their hands on and they were not super fancy haute cuisine. They were, they were, you know, lunch foods. Um, And that just got people really engaged. And I wonder if Charles is going to have the tact to also eat whatever. I don't think he's ever had tact. Well, he might have like a vegan do, right? Because it's environmentally friendly. Um, because I hear he objects to all I, sorts of things, like he won't eat tuna because it's terribly unfriendly and so on. Um, so he- I'm sorry, I know that like whatever the not eating tuna is fine, but that just makes me like him even less. It, it, <laughs> like, I, I'm not swayed by any of the arguments that Hannah's making here. I either. can't believe I'm in the position of being the Charles defender on the pod. I know. Like, I thought I was going to be. I, I just, like, I, mm, I just, I can't imagine, I can't imagine sitting there watching just especially... And I know that there's like a whole discussion about why people hate Camilla so particularly. Mm-hmm. It's like she's annoying, but there's also a whole like issue of like, is this just because Diana was pretty and Camilla is not? Yes, like if they had been like, switched. Like Diana also was seeing other people. Yeah. Her mayor. And also Camilla didn't make any promises to Diana. Charles did that. Yeah, exactly. But like I just he does it's not even like he doesn't have anybody who can stand next to him and make it palatable either yeah. is that it's just his brother-in-law two people yeah i was gonna say if, his, if both his sons show up i think and that are, like, both his sons nice are gonna public, show up for a coronation yeah they're both gonna be okay yeah. yeah but if they make nice in public hmm. i'm i'm sure that their people are speaking very fervently uh, yeah, I'm sure that, that there are a lot of very diplomatic text messages being sent. In uh, Europe, it's WhatsApp. It's all, yeah, it's, it's all WhatsApp. WhatsApp. Signal. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
honestly, it's the British monarchy. It could be carrier pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. Remember, like, when there was emergency legislation, was it early in the pandemic or in the Brexit process, that they had to delay because they didn't have enough vellum? <laughs> and the actual acts of British Parliament have to go out in vellum to be... Uh, <laughs> to be official and they just didn't have enough of the material to publish it like that's crazy fascinating that's still the system we have but like that's it just doesn't make any <laughs> sense yeah, that's not but, like, so i just i really these are moments where i really like just yeah. global politics because like so often so often it's just people like shitting on the states and being like you guys are so ridiculous all of this stuff is ridiculous like look at your head of state which just has there's not ever been a good president of the united states they were all trash but whatever but like at least we can use paper like fucking people <laughs> like you have your own ridiculous we have our own ridiculous you traditions have, but like you have a house of fucking electors you just have you know, a whole day of, of like let's all electors. look at the new portraits yeah like but but this is the moment where i get to point back and be like you are you saying know, something about look at your funny man in the also, funny hat oh, you're yes. spending billions of dollars oh, on this wow. person that you all hate so that he can get a funny hat and maybe talk to his kids again yeah like yeah i mean importantly <laughs> we're not going to be spending billions of dollars no 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 canada's and not no but the, but the yeah but the the Brits are going to. The Brits. So. Oh, someone's. Oh, sorry. I thought that was. Who is? Okay. okay. Um. Anyway, no, it's it's an incredibly. But, silly I mean, like, I feel in like a lot of times it is actual British citizens condescending to Americans, and well, just like ah, oh, Brexit a masterpiece to watch from afar because I was like, ahaha, you think that we are stupid and racist. <laughs> Let me show you this kettle, friend, the pot. <laughs> yes. I don't know. It reminds me that my personal motto as a historian is like, look at all these weird freaks being weird. Yeah. How interesting. Yeah. Um, which is, I think, really the subtitle of this episode. <laughs> Um, because they are weird freaks and you know technically i'm a british historian i didn't choose to be that was something that i evolved into accidentally um and there are people in my field who genuinely love these weird freaks and have all this affection for them and i'm just like ha nerds what a what a bunch of vellum sniffers um so you know history is weird and uh, it gets weirder by the day. And that's why we do it, I guess. Yeah. And it ended in the 1990s. <laughs> History did. Uh, uh, oh, gosh. Yeah. We're going to have and... to start explaining that joke. <laughs> we're at the tail end of people who still remember that joke. <laughs> nope. I really don't want to. That no, we're not, not, we're not going to explain that. You can Google it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So thank you everybody for your support. We still have a Patreon. We will still be posting on Patreon. If yes. Like to get more involved in the community. And yeah, so we're 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 gonna have more more things, especially from Sam and Hannah for the for 
Patreon. Um, we're also going to be coming to you between um, between seasons relatively regularly, all yeah. things, if all things go well. Yeah. Um, and with... you can always find us on social media. Yeah. We yeah. are on Twitter at Babiaga Project. What's our what's our TikTok? I don't look at our TikTok ever. Uh, it's also the Bobby Agar Project. Also Bobby Agar Project mm-hmm. and also Instagram. Mm-hmm. Love it. Very consistent. Yep. Nice being on brand. Well done. Yes. So. You'll know us because it'll have the little yellow circle with the house in it. Yeah. So that's us. Yeah. Okay. Bye-bye. Thanks. Bye. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. This project is made possible by our patrons. If you liked what you heard here, please check out our YouTube channel, our social media, and consider supporting us on Patreon. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.